The Old Testament reading for the 17th Sunday after Pentecost is from Isaiah chapter 55. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God that he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel in St. Matthew, the 20th chapter. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyards. Going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right I will give you. So they went. He went out again about the sixth hour, and the ninth hour he did the same. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing, and he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to them, Friends, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first, and the first last. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. There's another parable told the same time that Jesus was living. Very similar to Jesus' parable, but see if you notice a difference. It's for a rabbi who died at 28 years old at his funeral, this parable was told. So, like in Jesus' parable, there was a vineyard and a vineyard owner. And he goes out and brings workers into his vineyard. And one man, after he had worked two hours, the owner stopped him and walked up and down the rows with him, gave him refreshments, didn't make him work the rest of the day. But at the end of the day, after it all finished for 12-hour shifts, the owner paid that guy who worked two hours the same as the rest. Sound familiar? But he told everybody else, this guy worked as much in two hours as you guys did in 12. That's why this is fair. And I think, I think we like that parable better. 
I think our sinful flesh doesn't really like Jesus' parable all that much. You see, when we get to the end of that parable, the people we're sympathetic with are the guys who are angry that the people that only worked a few hours got paid the same. Because if that happened at your job, you'd be upset too. And so you look at the parable and you say, wait a minute, that's not fair. That's not right. See, grace is not natural. It's supernatural. The problem is, deep down, in our sinful hearts, we believe that we deserve it. That we've earned it. That we've worked hard enough for it. Just like the workers, we don't think it's right if someone gets more, the same as us. We've worked hard for this. And we forget, when we go down this path, that grace is no longer grace if it is for works. The context is interesting. Sometimes our Bible chapter divisions aren't extremely helpful because the verse right before our parable starts is the same verse that the parable ends with. But many who are first will be last and the last first. You see, I think... The default position of our hearts is that, as we heard a couple weeks ago, we're glory seekers. We want to be first. We want to be best. And we're going to work for it and show it and earn it. And that's true whether it's just in common everyday things, right? Someone gets a promotion, but we think we deserved it. We earned that. Someone has more money, more success more talent as nasty, whatever it is, we look at that and our first reaction, our sinful reaction, is often what? But what about me? Look at what I did. Don't I deserve more too? It's going to happen in the church too, right? But wait a minute, I've been a member this many years. I've been a Lutheran this long. I deserve more. And so too, Jesus' parable shows us we do it when it comes to grace too. And so our Lord asks a very powerful question at the end. Don't miss it because it's the one that he really wants us to think about. Do you begrudge his generosity? Are you jealous that he is this generous, overabundant, gracious God? Or to put it another way, do you despise God's grace? Does God's grace anger you because it's not according to works? That's what he wants us to think about. At the end of our Isaiah reading, we hear, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see, the thing is, grace flips everything on its head. It doesn't matter if you were saved as a baby in those baptismal waters, if you were saved on your deathbed at 90 years old. If God's grace was given to you and you believed, you're saved. The one who waited until a deathbed conversion, the one baptized as an infant, received the same grace, and everyone in between. 
everything we have in life and in salvation is all a gift of God's grace. It's all because of grace alone. Even, considering the words of our parable, the vineyard owner goes out and calls them to work. That too is a gracious call. When the Lord comes to you and invites you into his church to be a part of what he's giving here in this place, that is a good and gracious call. None of us deserve what's given here. My favorite definition of grace, Luther gives, and it's beautiful. Grace means that God is merciful to us. That he deals graciously with us for the sake of Christ our Lord, forgives us all our sins, and that he does not impute them to us, count them against us, or punish us with eternal death. Grace is the forgiveness of sin for Christ's sake, the covering of all sin, that is grace. It's amazing. It's fantastic. It's marvelous. It's more than we could possibly think or imagine. It's honestly to our sinful flesh too good to be true. Right? So Paul tells us that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet enemies of God, Christ died for us. And then what does he say? He's blown away by it. Sometimes we who get things wrong, we'll even die for somebody else who we think is good. But nobody steps in and dies for the ungodly, the wicked. Who does that? Our good and gracious God does that. All that you have, every last thing, every good gift, is because of God's grace, because of his love. Every good gift that you have, even the very clothes you're wearing at this moment, the cars you drove here in, everything, temporal, spiritual, whatever it may be, it does not matter, all that flows to us from the cross, all that flows to us because of the blood of Christ, all of it comes to us because of the good grace of God. All of it. We deserve hell. We deserve punishments. Right? The, the words of our confession again in service often talk this way of, of temporal and eternal punishments. Now and for all eternity, that's what we deserve. That's what we should get. But because of God's grace, that's not what we get. We get grace. You see, Luther says that we need to hear the gospel every day because we forget it every day. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to wake up tomorrow and be like, oh, I forgot that Jesus died for me. What he's saying is because of our sinful flesh, our sinful hearts, we struggle to think that we earned it and deserved it. But Luther says we need to keep hearing that it's all the work of Jesus because we so quickly in our sinful hearts get it wrong. One of the things Jesus is teaching us here in addition is what it looks like to live by grace alone. See, the guys that were in the field and complain about bearing the heat of the day and that it's not fair, they were living and working the vineyard as slaves. That's all they cared about was the money. That's what they were in it for, the rewards. 
So Jesus is telling us, you can either have that kind of attitude towards God and resent every minute of your life as a Christian. And you can look at him, you can begrudge his generosity and how he treats others, or you can live as a free child of God, as a child of grace. Jesus wants us to repent of looking at the Christian life as if we are trying to earn his goodness and favor and all that he's done for us. Elsewhere, Jesus says, at the end of the day, what we can say is, we are unworthy, and all we did was our duty. Faith does produce works. Grace produces works. But good works are only good because they're covered by the blood of Jesus. Because they're done in faith in the blood of Jesus. We are not owed anything for them. The beginning, middle, and end of the Christian life is all grace, grace alone. And so Jesus wants us to live in that grace, to delight in that grace, to marvel at his grace. That's what he wants for you. Thanks be to God that he doesn't give us what is fair. Because if he gave us what was fair, he would give us what we deserve. But instead, he acts out of mercy and grace. Grace means that God is merciful to us. That he deals graciously with us for the sake of Christ our Lord, forgives us all our sins, and that he does not impute them to us or punish us with eternal death. Grace is the forgiveness of sin for Christ's sake, the covering of all sin. That is grace. You just saying, salvation unto us has come. It was one of the key hymns of the Reformation that took the beautiful doctrines of being saved by grace alone out into the world. In the newsletter for October, I encourage you to listen to that hymn, sing that hymn, memorize that hymn, because it teaches you about God's grace in Christ Jesus for you. The grace that is free and boundless, the grace that is overflowing, the grace that is filling us up now through his word and sacraments. May our hearts never become hardened or bitter or resentful to such amazing grace. But may we keep receiving it, delighting it, and being filled with joy over it. Amen. The peace of God passes all understanding, guards your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.